This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Chris Adams-Wall. And welcome into This Week in Rays Baseball, Winter Meetings Edition. I'm Chris Adams-Wall, coming to you from the Winter Meetings in Nashville, Tennessee. While day one was relatively quiet for the Rays, and day two saw them bringing back reliever Chris Davinsky, day three included the Rule 5 draft, plenty of rumors, and special assistant to the Rays president and general manager Bobby Heck being honored as Major League Baseball's East Coast Scout of the Year. On today's program, we'll be joined by Rays Vice Presidents of Baseball Operations and Assistant General Managers Will Cousins and Carlos Rodriguez. And then we'll wrap up the winter meetings with Rays Beat Reporter for the Tampa Bay Times, Mark Topkin. But first, Vice President of Baseball Operations and Assistant General Manager for the Rays, Will Cousins. Will, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Chris. Uh, looking forward to chatting. How has, uh, or how have, rather, and I swear it was an English major, the winter meeting's been for you. We'll get to Chris Davinsky in a moment, because that's the big signing so far for the Rays here in Nashville. But how have they gone for you personally? Uh, personally, they've gone great. I mean, it's just a, it's a really great opportunity in a unique situation where we can get all 30 clubs together. A lot of the, you know, vendors and outside companies that teams work with. I mean, basically anybody who, you know, works in the baseball industry in one way or form is, is here. And just having all of those people here under this umbrella just provides kind of a once in a year opportunity to get together and, you know, like talk with our coworkers and find opportunities to, um, you know, to make our team better for next year and, and, and in the future. Do you have fun at these things? Like, do you look forward to the winter meetings? Or are you kind of like, oh, man, I don't know. These are going to be some late nights for us, potentially. Uh, both. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have a lot of fun. I mean, it's a great, you know, it's just it's a great opportunity. And it's a little bit of a sprint over a three-day period. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, maybe the day after I fly home, I start to feel it a little bit and regret my life. But other than that, while we're here, it's a great time. First day in Nashville was a quiet one for the Rays, but then yesterday on Tuesday, they are bringing back Chris Davinsky, a guy who was an all-star in the past, won a World Series with the Houston Astros, and a guy who down the stretch, save for a couple of rocky outings at the beginning, was pretty solid, right? So what do you make of this move? I'm sure you were, uh, you were a part of it. Yeah, I mean, well, you can never have enough pitching, you know, particularly, you know, guys in the bullpen who have all the ingredients that Chris has. I mean, it's great stuff. It is a electric changeup. I mean, and obviously a guy who was really successful for us down the stretch. And, you know, we have a lot of faith in him going forward that he's going to be a big part of our bullpen and, and perform. And like you mentioned, just there's not a lot of guys who, you know, have that have that track record that he has, just the experience pitching in the biggest moments possible, you know, we think that's something that's going to be valuable for us going forward as well. Last year was 
a weird year, I guess, for the Rays, but a really impressive one in a lot of ways, too. 99 wins, that 13-0 and start, a lot of injuries, obviously. Uh, what did you make of the 2023 Rays season? Obviously, it ended uh, a little sooner than I think any of us might have hoped. I talked to everybody about this, though, that I've interviewed here. If you're going to lose to any team, though, it's probably best that it's the World Series champs. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, first and foremost, the goal every year is to is to win it all, to win a World Series and be holding the trophy up at the end of the year. And, you know, we didn't accomplish that, so that's obviously a disappointment. But at the same time, really proud of so many aspects of last year's team. Like, obviously got off to the hard, hot start, but just the body blows that team endured over the course of the year with, with injuries. It would have been easy for that team to crumble down the stretch and and that didn't happen you know obviously the playoffs didn't play out how we would have liked but down the stretch like you know august september we won a lot of games and you know wound up with a really nice overall regular season win total of of not winning 99 games and that's a credit i think just to just to the depth of our you know organization you know from our you know our amateur scouting international scouting you know our pro scouting like our you know our analytics group like just to play a 162-game season, you need so many guys, and we really pride ourselves on building that depth, and that depth was depth was challenged last year, and I think like a lot of the guys, you know, and it really came through in a positive way. We've talked a lot about the Rays, but let's talk now about you and how you got to the Rays. You've been here since 2015, and now, as I mentioned, you're the Vice President of Baseball Operations and the Assistant General Manager. Have you taken any time to reflect on your journey through the Tampa Bay Rays system? I mean, you've kind of been here as the team has rebuilt everything, and now whatever this iteration is, it's a good one. It's a competitive one, and and it's one that's seen the Rays make the pl- make the playoffs for five straight years now. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's fun to just you know think about like you mentioned that that journey, and I mean, growing up. I was never a good baseball player by any stretch of uh, the imagination, but just love the game. You know, grew up in South Carolina. You know, we had, you know, the 90s Braves, which, you know, if you grew up in that area, you were automatically a Braves fan and just grew up, you know, really loving the game and enjoying the game. And, you know, it was never anything remotely close to, you know, being able to play at a high level, but like really just, you know, kind of had that that love and appreciation for baseball, you know, embedded in me at an early age. And, you know, I reached a point where like my initial career goal, if you talked to me 15 years ago, I would have told you, you know, what would, what would Will Cousins be doing in 2023? I would have said, I'm probably a math professor somewhere, Mm -hmm. you know, teaching math. And like, that was, that was my path for a while. I went to school for a long time. Like, you know, um, you know, I got my, my PhD in applied math, like did, um, you know, did research for a couple of years after that. And, you know, it was enjoying work, but at the end of the day, like it just, um, wanted to find something that was, you know, a little more satisfying that I could be a little closer to closer to the action. And, you know, fortunately, um, you know, was able to catch on with the Rays and, you know, haven't really looked back. I mean, it's just been, it's been a wonderful experience. It's a wonderful group of people to work with, like a wonderful ownership group, Stu Sternberg, like, you know, we wouldn't trade him for any owner in baseball. He's, you know, um, it's just a really great place to work and and a really enjoyable job. And I can't imagine doing anything else. When did it dawn on you that, you know what, I have a chance to work in baseball if I want to? Were you thinking about that at all as a kid when you were in school? 
or did it happen right around 2015? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say pretty close to, to 2015. Um, and really, I mean, I think what kind of got the ideas turning in my head was just one of the things that was going on at that time was just the technology and the ability to measure things that are happening on the field, you know, whether it's, you know, exactly how a hitter swings the bat or how a center fielder, you know, runs after a fly ball, just, you know, you look at that. And I remember thinking with my background, like, well, you know, I could, maybe I could help a team actually. So that was really what spurred it for me, just the availability of that technology and and information. Just, you know, I was very fortunate that that just created an opportunity for someone with my background to, to help a big league club. And where does the love for math come from? And and how are you so, or how did you get to be so good at it? I mean, I see uh, the quadratic equation and my eyes roll into the back of my head. I was never a good math guy. I think I missed the day where they discussed moles and chemistry. So that was an awful year for me in high school. But uh, what it is, what is it about math for you? I mean, I think at the end of the day, like, um, you know, probably have to give a lot of credit to, to my parents, like mom, dad, you know, like I remember, you know, as a kid, like staying home with my mom and she's, you know, helping me work through puzzles and teaching me my times tables and all that. So I think it, it's probably fair to say it all, it all started there. So, <laughs> And then you end up going from Columbia, South Carolina, where you're from, all the way out to Malibu, California. You go to Pepperdine and their team name is, of course, the Waves. How did you end, and we'll get to more waves in a second, but how did you end up going all the way out to Pepperdine, which is a, a terrible campus, by the way? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I grew up in, in South Carolina, lived my whole life there, and, you know, I, I enjoyed South Carolina. I loved it, but, you know, when you're 17 years old and you've lived in one place your whole life, you kind of feel like going somewhere else. And for me, you know, that spot to go somewhere else was Malibu, California. And like you said, it's a... Uh, it's a you know great school, got a good education, but also not a bad spot. You know, like yeah. a couple hundred yards from the beach, so I you know picked the school for all the right reasons. <laughs> and then I read this: you researched ocean waves at MIT for three years prior to joining the race. So I told you we were going to get back to waves. How did that opportunity come about, and what was that like? Yeah, I mean. That was, you know, around 20, 2013 when I went to MIT and, and got caught on with um, this WAVE project. And, it, I mean, it was a really interesting project where, like, basically the idea is, you know, if you're somebody who your life is all about driving big ships through the ocean, what you don't want to happen is a giant wave come out of nowhere and, you know, smack your ship and cause some cause some damage. So it was a project where the idea was to basically make these predictions in advance and develop some early warning systems by, you know, analyzing all the wave data. And, you know, it's one of those things that it sounds like it has nothing to do with baseball, but a lot of the fundamental things are are similar where, you know, if you're trying to predict what's going to happen in the ocean, you're trying to predict, you know, hey, we see the wave field now, we see the ocean, is something unexpected going to happen and are we going to have a giant wave pop out of nowhere and how do you do the math to do those predictions well it's not unlike a lot of the questions that we ask on the baseball side where it's we're looking at you know maybe an 18 year old high school kid and which of these we need to make a prediction basically which of these players is going to you know break out and become become a superstar player so it's like there's a, a lot of differences in the content and the types types of problems you're trying to solve but there's a lot of you know, a lot of the math and, you know, technical aspects underpinning it all, there's some overlap. 
So you're at MIT, and now you're with the Rays, but how did the opportunity come about with Tampa Bay? Is this something that you were actively seeking, or did they come knocking on your door? This was one I, I actively sought out, so, you know, um, reached out directly to a lot of different teams, uh, mailed letters, actually, yeah. like stamps and everything, you know, like physical letters to a bunch of teams, and uh, Rays were, you know, one of a small small handful who got back to me and um you know i think just so happened that when i reached out they were you know this was shortly after andrew friedman left and they had some openings in the front office so you know a little bit of a right place right time there for sure well we so appreciate you taking the time will cousins it's great to talk to you for the first time here the first time that i'm talking to you i'm sure that neil has talked to you uh, many times but I really do appreciate it, and have fun the rest of your time here in Nashville. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. I enjoyed it, too. That was Ray's Vice President of Baseball Operations and Assistant General Manager Will Cousins. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next up, another Rays Vice President of Baseball Operations and Assistant General Manager, Carlos Rodriguez. Carlos, thanks so much for taking the time. No, thank you for having me. I'm excited. So, obviously, you are no stranger to the winter meetings. This is probably, I don't know, like your 10th, 11th, something like that. What what has it been like for you this week? 17th, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been good, man. It's been It's always a great time to connect. With other folks, uh, it's the one rare time of the year where everybody seems to be together. Sometimes we're sitting there energized by trying to piece together some type of transaction, whether trade or free agent acquisition. And other times you're kind of sitting there brainstorming and and, and sitting around. But there's a lot of meetings uh, that take place, uh, MLB meetings and meetings with with agents, with other teams. So there's there's really um, a, a wide a variety of things to, to occupy your time and, and all um, in efforts to really improve our team uh, going to next year. Do you enjoy most of it? Yeah, I certainly, I, f- I think I feel a little different uh, this, you know, I guess year, whatever, 16, 17 versus year one. Um, but it's all, it's all very different. I think it's kind of exhausting um, towards the end, especially when if you're not able to execute any type of, of transactions. But, yeah, it's always a great opportunity to spend time with teammates. The Rays haven't been all that busy, but they did re-sign Chris Davinsky yesterday. Your thoughts on that move, and what was it about Chris that made you guys want to have another season with him? Diva was tremendous. I mean, I think we learned a lot from him last year, acquiring him, the way that he stepped up. His, I mean, he really bought into what we were trying to do, and we, we learned a lot from him, and I think... Uh, it just seemed to be a, a, a mutual decision, I think, that we both w- wanted to pursue and excited about him and what he's able to add to our, our season uh, going to next year. And then we just had the Rule 5 draft on Wednesday, and the Rays ended up losing a guy that I saw in Montgomery at the beginning of this past season, Anthony Molina, a right-handed pitcher who finished the season with Triple A Durham. They also lost John Doxakis, a lefty who was also in Montgomery to begin the start of this season. Your thoughts on both of those losses? 
Yeah, anytime that we lose players that we've, I mean, we have a lot of time and history and, and we've invested a lot of, you know, blood, sweat and tears into these, into these guys, Molina in particular. I mean, I signed him a long time ago out of Venezuela and it's been, you know, it's been a, a nice steady journey throughout, uh, you know, to, to where we are today. And ultimately we're really excited. You know, I'm excited. Um, you know, it's, the realities are that players are, are not all, you know, all the players that you acquire are not all going to touch your major league roster. And you just hope that they're able to, you know, to find success elsewhere. And I think that's something that we, we're pretty open with our players about. But, yeah, we, he was a tough, a tough loss. Same, same thing with Docs. You know, he was a really valuable contributor, both awesome, awesome people. And um, who knows, maybe there's a chance that we're able to, to cross paths with, you know, either of those guys again. But I uh, really wish them all the best. I'll never forget John Doxakis telling me about uh, how great the zero gravity chair was in the locker room down there in Montgomery. So that'll be a lasting memory for Dox. Let's talk about you, though. You you were from Puerto Rico, and you ended up going to school at the University of North Florida in Jacksonville. Have you always been a baseball fan? Did you grow up playing baseball in Puerto Rico? Well, actually, we my family moved to Orlando when I was still like six or six or seven years old. Um, so I grew up in Orlando, so i am really been in Florida for a, a large part of my life. And, yeah, baseball was something that I think from the age of seven, eight, I really, you know, started playing and fell in love with. And um, I think I also played basketball, which I really enjoyed. And once I figured out I wasn't going to get any bigger, you know, kind of peaked at age uh, 14, <laughs> and then that's when I sort of started to focus my attentions um, on, on baseball. But, yeah, played through, played in high school, played in college. Ended up coaching uh, thereafter, and made some great, uh, you know, great connections with the, you know wonderful people, and learned the game, and just really been uh, uh, really fortunate to to do what you know what one can call a job, but it's really just a, a passion and something that uh, it's a privilege to do. And what was coaching like for you up there? Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean the the. One of the most influential people in my life was my head coach up there, uh, Dusty Rhodes, who I got to coach alongside um, for a couple. What a name, by the way! I know it's a fabulous <laughs> name, yeah. And his reputation uh, proceeds. I mean, he's in multiple Hall of Fames. Just an incredible mentor, teacher, um, and really, um, you know, just really impactful. Um, and but coaching with him, you, you really learn the do's and don'ts. Um, and certainly set a, a wonderful foundation. I think, in my personal opinion, a wonderful foundation for me. Um, but yeah, coaching was was an area, a, a chapter of my life that I really enjoyed, and connecting with people and helping others uh, reach their their dreams. You broke into Major League Baseball with the Toronto Blue Jays. How did that opportunity come about? Well, I actually broke in with the Milwaukee Brewers uh, in 2006. Uh, ended up uh, getting an internship with the Brewers, uh, doing advanced scouting. And uh, that was my first, um, kind of my first introduction. And coincidentally, it was Alex Anthopoulos, um, that connection. So my head coach um, was the manager for the Greek Olympic team. Alex is Greek and was the advanced scout on the team. And so through that mutual connection, we, we established, um, um, you know, we established, a, a, you know, kind of a connection there. And he was able to, um, to recommend me to the Brewers, uh, and from there, um, you know, ended up going from there to Toronto once a uh, you know uh, scouting position opened up. You signed Jan Gomes, who was the first Brazilian-born baseball player in Major League history. What do you remember about signing him? He's had an incredible career. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty awesome to to watch his career unfold uh, before our our eyes. 
uh, and a wonderful story. So he, yeah, I, I remember he was a, a player that um, really had some defensive questions where he's going to play, but he always really swung the bat. And, you know, getting into professional baseball is a player that's been really, really strong defensively uh, and, you know, also with some offensive ability. And just a tremendous person, character, makeup, uh, leader, uh, and grinder, and somebody that did not have anything handed to him in the minor leagues. I mean, I remember talking to him. He was kind of a, a, you know, he was backing up Travis Darno for a couple of seasons. And so being the backup to uh, a, you know, a really top prospect that was acquired, um, you know, for multiple seasons, it's really difficult. And credit to Jan. You know, with some injuries, he got some opportunities. He got some extended run, uh, runway to play, and he made a favorable imp- uh, impression and made the most out of that opportunity. And you know, here he is, ten plus years, you know, later, he's still doing it. And then from the Jays, you come to the Rays. And what was it about Tampa Bay that drew you to this organization? You've been here for a long time now, I believe, since 2012. And how did that happen? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was actually a really. Um, kind of a, confu- a confusing uh, permission request. Um, well, we got time. Yeah, it was a confusing permission request. It was, uh, I think, the fall of 2010. And um, I, I loved, I mean, I loved everything about working in Toronto, and I loved the people that I was with, and I thought we had a really good thing going. And so when, um, you know, Matt Arnold called to ask permission for me, it was kind of like, why would I want to do that? And so I just ultimately, like, I, I was energized by, by you know Matt, by Andrew, uh, Jerry Hunsaker was here back then, and just the people in general, and and um, yeah, I don't know something about just the, the the people and and the mission and and the challenge and the way that the, you know, I don't know, it was just a really interesting uh, time, and decided to make the leap, and uh, happy that I did. You've done a ton of scouting, but you are also largely responsible for uh, a more comprehensive, shall we say, player development. Uh, environment for the Tampa Bay Rays, stuff like nutrition and all kinds of things. What do you remember about um, organizing that and implementing that? Yeah, so player development, it's it's been a huge emphasis for us. It's the lifeblood of the organization, you know, um, scouting and player development. And I think over time, we've grown, we've expanded. Uh, we've learned more about what makes players good. And as a result, we've uh, increased our resources and investments into some of these areas. And some of these areas are nutrition, you know, uh, understanding movement, um, you know, leveraging our our, uh, performance science group and trying to really implement those into our player development plans. And so it's, um, you know, credit to to Mitch and and really our group uh, before Haim and and everybody else to, to really build an elite player development system. But with that, just like anything else, you know, we need to continue to, to evolve. And um, as uh, there's an increase in the, the uh, tools that we're able to use to, to understand um, development, it's our duty to try to implement those tools and get the most out of our players. But where did those ideas come from initially? I think just curiosity. Curiosity about how to improve and turning over every stone, um, I think, I have a lot of teammates that are like-minded in terms of just wanting to, to be the best. And how do we? How can we be the best? What are things that are are critical and and um, and really moving moving things forward? And so it's really more of a first principles thinking, you know, kind of dissecting everything and trying to piece that together. But 
um, yeah, the curiosity um, to pursue what we don't know instead of just sitting back and relying on what we currently do know is something that I think is critical. Uh, I think it's central not only to me but also to the organization. Let's talk finally about the Tampa Bay Rays. I've, I've asked a, a bunch of people here. During this week in Nashville, what makes the Tampa Bay Rays organization so special? I just got here, obviously. I'm not even a year in, but it is not lost on me that so many people in the organization have worked there for a really long time, and there's probably a reason that they stick around. Yeah, it's about the people. The people, the culture, I know it's cliche, it's overused, but that's the reality and that's the fact. We've we've uh, we've graduated a lot of people, um, you know, with... Uh, with Peter being the most recent to have moved on. But I think we all share very similar core values and principles, and those are things that we we try to, to abide by, and one of them is to be a great teammate, you know, and that's something that exists not only in our front office but also amongst our coaching uh, our player development staff, our coaches, um, and also scouting and, and also in our major league clubhouse. That is Cash's, you know, basically his only rule is be a great teammate. And so that is something that we try to embody, and we th- we feel like that that one principle really helps um, you know just create a, a wonderful work environment where people are energized and happy to go to work. Bonus question for you because yep. you did uh, talk about Peter Bendix there. We saw him; he's the president of baseball operations for the Miami Marlins now. You worked really closely with him and Eric Neander. You're still working very close with Eric. What kind of an influence have both of those guys had on your career? Tremendous. I mean, tremendous influence. Um, the friendships and just the, you know, just the back and forth, uh, you know, challenging each other. That's the other part, you know, kind of going back to the other question. The ability to challenge each other and ask questions and not feel like, you know, there's any question that's that's a dumb question. So, um, yeah, those guys are, are really impactful both in, in my career and, and just not only wonderful at their at their jobs, but also wonderful people, and something that I, I hope that I can reciprocate um, for really forever. Well, we can't thank you enough for taking the time today, Carlos Rodriguez, and enjoy the rest of your time here in Music City. Get home safe. Thank you. I appreciate for the I appreciate the time, and we certainly appreciate the time of Rays Vice President of Baseball Operations and Assistant General Manager Carlos Rodriguez. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Last but not least, here is Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. We're going to do kind of an all-encompassing type of recap toppers so first of all thanks for taking the time no problem yeah we spent a lot of time together this week you showed me all your honky-tonk places on sunday night and we haven't left the hotel since hey that's how the winter meetings are we're here to work on and chase baseball rumors and talk baseball we've done plenty of that i think we all need to step outside though and get some fresh air right we've been inside for most of the time here it's amazing that those two places knew you when we got there and they're like oh you're back okay so we have just talked with Eric Neander, the Rays president of baseball operations. The Rays are bringing back Chris Davinsky. The Rule 5 draft was today. But all in all, that's kind of all that happened, right? 
Yeah, it's not a, it's not unusual that that's the case, Chris. I mean, one thing about the Rays historically is that they don't do a lot of business at the actual winter meetings. There have been times when they have, um, but most of the times when they have a big trade, it ends up coming after the winter meetings. They kind of use this to gather. Sometimes they've gone home and announced a deal like the end of the week. Other times the following week or a week and a half after, and then they'll say, oh, when did this come together? Oh, it actually came together at the winter meetings. We were just waiting you know, for a medical review, or we were, you know, thinking about the last piece of it or something. So it's very possible that we are just terrible reporters and we all leave here and they've already got a deal in place and we'll find out about it, you know, in a couple of days. When but, you land, maybe. Yeah, let's hope, let's at least <laughs> when I land and not while I'm in the air because that in, plain internet is not very reliable. But look, so I, I do think they had a lot of talks. I mean, Eric Neander, he was joking around, but kind of like taking a nap before, as we were interviewing him. Uh, to make up for the lack of sleep. So I do think they had a lot of conversations. They have a lot of people here. Um, they have a lot of things to talk about. Trading Tyler Glass now, I still personally feel that's going to happen and still going to probably happen sooner than later. Yeah, But maybe they want to wait until after some of the free agent pitchers, the high-end guys like Yamamoto and Snell sign. You know, It's kind of an interesting debate. Do you try to get a team now that sees Glass now as a sure thing and a, a lesser price? Or do you wait till after those big guys sign and the teams that miss out on him, maybe they're a little bit willing to go a little bit higher. So it's hard to be a GM and a president of baseball ops, and this is one of the reasons why. Or option C, they keep Tyler Glass now and have the highest payroll in team history, but you don't see that happening, do you? I don't, and, and I, I, don't, I don't not believe Eric Neander that they could and that Steve Sternberg has given them permission and they could run it up to 125, but... Does it make sense to do it this year when you're not going to have Shane McClanahan, your best pitcher? As we sit here in early December, you have no idea if they're going to have Wander Franco, their best player, because of his legal issues. You've got a couple of their starters you're down. Eric Neander has also mentioned the possibility of you know, maybe moving some veteran position players and mixing in some younger guys. Um, so you, know, you might have Curtis Mead getting a lot of at-bats. You might have Jonathan Aranda getting a lot of at-bats. You might have Junior Caminero in the mix. So... All of that can be really good, and they can still be a really competitive team. I just don't know this is the year, like, you max out your payroll. They have kind of a rolling payroll here. In fact, when they added you, they had to adjust it by 00.314%. But it's kind of a rolling payroll. So, you know, kind of you borrow from one year. If you want to have spend more this year, you're borrowing it from next year, or you saved it from last year. So this might not be the year to kind of peak that thing out. And what about the Chris Davinsky signing, or re-signing, shall we say? He was a guy who was not on the team for all that long and struggled right out of the gate, but then seemed to figure some things out, and obviously the Rays seemed to like him. Yeah, we were a couple of us were talking to Kevin Cash this morning, and somebody mentioned that he can get off to a good start, and Cash kind of laughed, and you know, being the smart aleck that I am, I said, yeah, the manager put him in some tough spots his first couple games. And he kind of like, yeah. Good point. But, no, look, he's a guy that they only saw, what, eight or nine games, but they like what they saw. Great track record. He was healthy. I think that was the biggest thing. They've seen his success way back when he was an all-star with the Astros, so he's been really good. Uh, what's interesting about it in kind of the inside baseball part of this is they talk about stretching him out a little bit. So whether that makes him a, a multi-inning reliever or is they're going to see, can he become the next Zach Littell? Who's to think there ever would be a thing where we'd say who's going to be the next Zach Littell? But at work last year, he was a reliever. and kind of Or Sean Armstrong, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, Sean Armstrong, a multi-inning guy. Or go back to Drew Rasmussen a few years ago. But you know, Littell was interesting because he was a fringy reliever. There was a period of time where he was probably like the next guy to be DFA'd or dropped. 
Um, and he ended up going on the IL at a point where maybe they could have just moved on from him and turned out they really needed him. And Kevin Cash said yesterday, well, I, don't, I think his quote was, I don't know where we would have been this season without Zach Littell. So I think Davinsky has a chance to do that. He can't be sent to the minors without. He has to agree, so it's essentially like being out of options. They seem to have one or two extra relievers than they're going to have room for. But as we've seen, guys get hurt, things happen in spring training. Relievers become starters, so I don't think that the depth's going to be a bad thing at all. There's a lot of chatter uh, pertaining to a couple of Rays, uh, primarily Randy Rosarina and Isak Paredes. Of course, Tyler Glass now is in his own category, but there have been some reports out there that, oh, this team might be interested in Isak Paredes. This team might want to acquire Randy Rosarena, but we're not really sure if there's any uh, truth to that, right? Well, I mean, I think the easiest way to, to put it is that um, the Rays listen on everything. Some, I, I would assume most teams do, but I think with the Rays, it's just a little more of a significant philosophy to have because you have so many players that other teams want, and you're constantly in a position of having to churn your roster. You know, they've kept a fairly steady payroll the last few years in that $80 million range, give or take a little. Uh, so I think because of that, you know, they are always looking, and I mentioned the rolling payroll before, so they're always kind of looking, what does it mean now, what does it mean for the future? So when teams ask, I think it makes sense that they listen, and sometimes those do lead to things. But I, at this point, you know, coming off the season they had last year, they set all those offensive records. Those two guys you mentioned were big parts of that. So do I think they absolutely won't get traded? No, I couldn't, I couldn't guarantee that. I mean, you could make a case to trade either one of them. is going to get $9 million, and he's got two more arbitration years after this one. Paredes is first of four years of arbitration. He's going to get $3 million. So they're both going to become really expensive players relatively soon. But for $12 million right now to keep those two guys and what they meant to this offense, I think you'd say you're much better off keeping them and trying to roll back out there and see what they can do. So I don't think they're going to be traded. I certainly don't think the Rays are shopping them. Eric Neander said as much the other day that I think you would classify this as listening. Uh, but I, I, you know, I don't think they'll be traded, but they could both be traded by the time you finally get this thing edited and posted. <laughs> Well, we also had the Rule 5 draft on Wednesday, and the Rays lost some people. The first one we'd have to mention is Anthony Molina. He was the one the Rays lost in the Major League portion of the Rule 5 draft. Colorado Rockies, they have him now. They'll have to add him to their 26-man roster or and keep him there for the whole season, or he will be returned to the Rays. That's a big deal for Anthony Molina, obviously. He was with me in Montgomery at the beginning of this season. The Rays also lost John Doxakis, a left-handed pitcher in the minor league portion, and Alex Ovias, who's a first baseman slash outfielder. But then they acquired some pitchers of their own in the minor league phase. Nothing too crazy, though, today, right? No, I mean, there were some guys that, you know, heard some whispers about that the Rays were concerned about losing. I think we can now say out loud one of them was Alex Jackson, the guy that they're kind of going to be their backup catcher. He was on a minor league deal. I mean, is, is he the guy who's going to be World Series MVP this year? Probably not. But at this point, as we sit here in early December, they see him pairing with Rene Pinto as their two manly catchers. So if he had been taken today, they would have had a, or on Wednesday, they would have had to scramble a little bit and figure something else out. Maybe they could have done that really quickly, but they liked having him here. Uh, there were a couple other pitchers that they thought could possibly get taken. Cole Wilcox, who would have, among other things, would have been He's the last remnant of the Blake Snell trade. So had he gotten taken, they would have had nothing left to show for that, which, look, we can debate that another time. It didn't work out well. Most trades to raise do do work out well. But, yeah, so I don't think the Rule 5 draft was too big a deal. The thing with Molina is, as you said, if they don't, if the Rockies don't want to keep him, they can offer him back to the Rays. The Rays got $100,000 for him being taken. 
they can pay 50000 and get him back, and they don't have to keep him in the big league. So he can kind of return to their minor league system. And then we have to talk about a guy named Shohei Otani, right? Because you know, he's apparently talked to the Blue Jays in Dunedin, and Dave Roberts revealed that, yes, the L.A. Dodgers hosted him for a meeting as well. And now there are reports saying that Shohei Otani may be choosing a team or is likely to choose his team by the end of this weekend. And one of those teams, as I mentioned, could be the Blue Jays. Then you have the Juan Soto rumors about a possible trade to the New York Yankees. The AL East, which is already a uh, leviathan of, of a division. Yeah, not a bad word, right, Topper? Might be becoming even more... Uh, Leviathan-y, I guess. You just totally regressed any credit you got for using the big word correctly the first time. Yeah, Yeah, sure you did. Yeah, look, I mean, the AL East is always, you know, kind of a beast. A lot of people talk about it's a tough division in baseball. There have been a few years now where there have been some other divisions. The NL East is pretty good, too, Mm -hmm. when you look at Phillies, Braves. uh, The Mets are going to be good, even though they weren't this past year. They've got a ton of money to be good. Uh, And some of the other teams around in some of the divisions. Marlins made the playoffs. and. Nationals won the World Series a couple of years ago. They've been down now. But anyway, the point is, at least is always really good. But, yeah, Juan Soto going to the Yankees, which looks like as we tape this is about to happen. Uh, if Shohei Otani goes to the Blue Jays, you can almost say that's like a kind of a doubleheader loss for the Rays and stuff like that and the Orioles and, and even the Red Sox. But also the fact that, you know, the Orioles coming off their incredible year with that young core, they had a low payroll last year. And showing they're willing to invest in it, we see them signing Craig Kimbrell. They need a veteran reliever because Bautista is going to be out recovering from surgery. Drop 13 mil. I mean, that's Chris Adams' wall money on a guy who is coming off a kind of a so-so year, but a proven been there, done that guy. They felt like they needed that. So that shows you they're going to spend a little bit more uh, this year. So, yeah, I think the AL East challenge will only be ramped up. And if you have two of the elite players in the game, if it ends up that Otani goes to Toronto and you have Otani and Juan Soto in the AL East, at least the Rays can be thankful the schedule changed last year, so they're only playing those teams 12 or 13 times each and not the 18 or 19 like they used to. And let's not forget the Yankees also acquired Alex Verdugo from the Boston Red Sox. That was another deal that went down. Uh, Topper, I am curious as we wrap up the winter meetings here, is, is this something that you enjoy? Do you, do you like coming to these things? This is probably going to be it for Nashville. Uh, like the town, not a big fan of the geodesic dome bubble that uh, sits over the Opryland complex here. and. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, the winter meetings are for the baseball people. We're, we're kind of their guests. We're working, but, you know, we're, we're invited to it. So our convenience isn't the factor here, but this is a tough place to work. It's a, probably a great place to visit. We see people, I mean, they make an incredible amount of money of people who pay to park and take buses over here to wander through the grounds and see the lights and the decorations and, like, take some of those selfies you took with, like, the mule and the, the strumming guy and all that stuff in front of all the different trees. But... Um, it's a hard thing to like covering because you don't get a lot of sleep, you don't eat well, you don't really get any fresh air, and you know in this case of this week, you spend a lot of time waiting for something to happen. So, somebody who uh, doesn't have a lot of patience, such as yourself, it's probably even a little tougher. <laughs> no, I've had a great time. This is my first uh, winter meetings with a job, and we both have jobs, which is nice. Mark Topkin, thank you for uh, helping my job out and being on the program today. We appreciate it. Anything I can do to help you grow in your position. <laughs> And we want to thank everybody for their time today, including Will Cousins, Carlos Rodriguez, and Mark Topkin. Remember to keep it right here for all the latest Rays news during the offseason. I'm Chris Adams-Wall. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again soon.